Are you a leader who used to bring a lot of energy to your role, but suddenly you're feeling stress and uh, lack of energy and it feels like, you know, you're getting to the brink of burnout? Well, you're not alone. Leadership is a rewarding journey, but it's not without the hurdles, whether you are a seasoned executive, an entrepreneur, or a team leader. Burnout can sneak up on anyone. Would you like to learn some practical strategies to overcome uh, leadership burnout? Then you're in the right place. Our guest today is going to share her stories, lessons learned, and steps she took to reclaim her passion for leadership and overcame burnout. You are watching Happy and Healthy Mind program episode 134. And welcome. I am your host, Dr. Rosina Lakhani. In our coaching programs, High Achievers work with us to reverse the effect of chronic stress we call burnout on your weight, your energy, your performance, because you know people get sick and tired of trying all the popular programs that work seem to be working for others, but they don't work for them. So as personalized medicine doctors and integrative psychiatrists and coach, coaches, we bring personalized solutions specific to your own genetics and hormones so you can live your best life, perform at your best, and serve others with your best gifts. Bottom line, we add years of quality to life so you can live better, give more, and make the impact you're meant to make. And this program is one of the offerings we offer to an overall mission of bringing health and happiness to millions so no one has to suffer unnecessarily. And as guests in this program, bring the practical tips for mental fitness. These programs are supposed to be for pro educational purposes. So if you need any uh, specific advice, please reach out to us or your healthcare professional so that you can achieve your health goals. Today, our guest is Nilu Kaur. She holds a BS from NYU's Stern School of Business, an MA in Social and Organizational Psychology from Columbia University, and is a certified NLP Master Practitioner and Coach from NLP Center of New York. She has 15 years of experience specializing in adult learning and leadership development in financial services, consulting, and tech industry. She focuses on leadership, mindfulness, and burnout management for individuals, teams, and organizations. Nilu recently published her first book, Be Your Own Cheerleader, which focuses on self-advocacy for Asian and South Asian women. So I'm really looking forward to learning all about these tools that you are teaching in your book. So let's jump in. Thank you so much, Nilu, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. And so tell me, how did this topic become important in your life? Give us a little sneak peek on how the life was before you started applying some of the tools you're going to teach us today. Yes. So from a very young age, I actually remember having panic attacks, although at that time I didn't have a label for it. I didn't have a definition for it. So I didn't know what was happening. But the way I describe it is feeling like I was in quicksand and couldn't get out. So my breath would become very shallow and it was just this feeling of overwhelm. And so that was the way I would describe what I experienced. And it's only much later as I became an adult and understood that those were actually panic attacks. Mm. And so you were kind of struggling, but you kept on going and like, you know, you are a high achiever from all the credentials and experience. So 
How did it show in your work life? Yeah. So, you know, as a child, especially coming from an Indian background, it was something that I couldn't discuss openly. So I really didn't know that what it was called. I had no vocabulary for it. So it's basically as an adult, I was experiencing the same symptoms when I felt overwhelmed at work, when I felt like I wasn't getting my voice heard or ideas were being stolen or things were happening where I was getting fired. I was getting downsized numerous times. And so these panic attacks and this feeling of being an imposter was just rising. And so then I realized like there's something that has to shift. I need some support in this. All right. And so, and we learned some of the tools that helped you kind of make your journey. How did life change after you applied some of these tools? What benefits you see in your life now? Well, as you know, it's never, it, there's no one magic pill out there that helps you feel happy and fulfilled and purposeful in life. So it was a journey of learning about different modalities. And so I think for me, it's a cocktail of things that help me feel happy and help me feel like if I do experience overwhelm, I have a whole host of tools that I can use to help me get out of that feeling of overwhelm. Wonderful, wonderful. And so does applying these tools make you function differently in your life? How does it affect your health or work or relationships? I think one of the things that's the most important that I actually learned through my practice of yoga and my studies of Ayurveda is routines and rituals. So having those routines every day set me up to have a better day than if I did not have those routines and sort of rituals that I do daily that that keep me on the right path. So for those of us that sort of struggle with anxiety or depression or feelings of overwhelm, I think routines are really important to have. And then for us to have the discipline to carry through with those routines on a daily basis. So how do the routines help you? You said that your day is more fulfilling. Tell us a little bit more in terms of how that helps you to function better. Yeah. I mean, there's one simple one that I use and I try to use it every day if possible is that you know, according to Ayurveda, the way you wake up is basically going to dictate the rest of your day. So for example, if you wake up and reach for your phone, you will be reactive and distracted because you're going to start responding to emails, to texts, to all of these things. So the first half hour of my day, I try to, to not pick my phone up. I try to ease into my day. And ideally, research indicates it should be an ideally an hour, like your first hour in and also at night, like one hour away from devices. But for me, I I think that a half hour is doable in the morning where I'm sort of easing in and really setting the intention of the type of day I'm going to have. So you find yourself more productive or more relaxed or? I find myself less reactive and distracted. So I'm sort of starting out on a balanced foot versus going in feeling very overwhelmed by by all of the emails that came through overnight that I didn't see or because, you know, as we are working in a global space, right, we can get emails at different times of the day. And when we when we log in in the morning, it's like you can feel overwhelmed if you don't already set yourself up to be sort of more grounded. And I think that one routine actually helps me start the day in a more gro- in a more grounded way. Wonderful, wonderful. And you are just talking about not reaching out the phone in the morning. I know of so many of my, my clients and patients who not only talk on their phone as soon as they get up, but they also pick up in the middle of the night. And so they, they forget to turn off their alerts alert sound when they're sleeping. And so every alert they're waking up 
whether it's a social media post or an email or a text, and then they are checking, not only just getting their sleep getting affected, then they're checking. And so then when you check one thing, then you're checking, you know, it just kind of leads to the other, to the other, and the brain wakes up. So their sleep is also disturbed. This is a very important tool, which I'm finding more and more people are having hard time, hard time disconnecting because there's so many things on the phone now, like, you know, entertainment is on phone, contact with the, your loved ones is on the phone, as well as your reading, you know, like, you know, relaxed re reading is also on the phone. And so it is very hard for people to disconnect. But yes, yeah, scientifically, it is shown that you need to kind of let your brain gradually go to sleep at night and then gradually wake up. But just picking up the phone, that light really wakes you up and messes up your routine. That's wonderful. So we already jumped into some of the yes. tools. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Why don't we continue on the tools? But I just want to kind of what do you understand from what is leadership and what is burnout and how are they related? So for me, leadership means not just leading teams and organizations, but leading people. So that can be leading your family, leading your religious place of worship. If you lead people, you can think of that as leadership, but we can also think of leadership as leading your own career, leading your own desires. So you can be a leader of people and you can also be a leader of your own development. I agree. Totally agree. So, and then what is burnout for you? Burnout to me is is related to energy. So when we feel like we don't have energy, we are burned out. And then the scale of that can be different, right? It can be chronic, it can be minute, it can be situational, right? But it's all about energy and energy management. Right. And so how do you see leadership connected with burnout? And why do you think leaders are at higher risk of burnout? I think what has happened is that we have become so much of a hustle culture that we are back to back with meetings. We're back to back with the our brain processing so much information and re requesting our brain to process so so much information without downtime or time to synthesize information. And I think that's actually the leading cause of burnout. Go having meetings scheduled back to back not having time to sort of process and digest information. And then at the end of the day, you feel like you have no energy left to do anything. Right. It's like, I see that everybody can be, can burn out, but I think leaders are at higher risk of burnout. And especially people who are passionate about serving others, you know, the servant leaders, like Simon Shinnick calls them servant leaders, they are so focused on serving others that sometimes they forget about their own self-care or balancing self-care with others' care. And so, yeah, so the, I, I see that they are at much higher risk of burnout and at much higher risk of not recognizing <laughs> <laughs> that they are burning out. So share us, share with us what are some of the tools you kind of already shared one of the tools earlier about having the daily routine. What are some of other things that if somebody in the leadership position feels like, even if they don't feel like they're burnout, what, what are the, some of the things they should do to prevent burnout in the first place? I think ultimately we all know what we need to do and Maybe we pretend that we don't know, right? But I think the first and foremost tool that I use is actually, it's so simple. It's asking myself a question of what do I need in this moment? 
So for example, if I'm feeling like I didn't like, for example, in this instance, before I got on zoom with you, I was actually in another meeting right up before that. So I decided that before I logged in with you, I needed to just take a quick walk around my apartment. Right. So in the moment I said, what am I going to, what do I need to reset before I start this new meeting? What do I need to do to reset and sort of start fresh? Right. And so for me, it's a question of what do I need to do in this moment in order to set myself up for success? And I think if we were to actually do that within segments of our day, we would, we would know the answers. We would just have to then listen to ourselves for those answers. Right. So true. You you have to ask in the moment, what do I need? And for me, I think one of the, like you said it so well, we know actually what we, what we need, but we forget and we suppress. Okay. So when I keep on going from one place to the other, to the other, to the other, sometimes I actually forget to ask me this question. question. Sometimes I forget to take the deep breather or take a glass of water or even bathroom. <laughs> a lot yes. of people in healthcare, they forget, they sometimes forget and sometimes they suppress their urge to go to the bathroom because they're going from one thing to the other to the other, including me. <laughs> I, also, right. I have a patient and we were talking about like, you know, drinking more water. And he said he works in a, in a big organization. And so... He says that if I drink more water, then I have to go to the bathroom more. And the bathroom is so far that I don't <laughs> that I don't want to interrupt my work by needing to go to the bathroom. And so, like I said, either you go to the bathroom right now or you prepare yourself to sit on the dialysis chair. Because if you don't go to the bathroom and don't drink enough water, then right. you're putting at risk of developing kidney disease. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you have to kind of, so yes, our work environments are sometimes not suitable for self-care. Sometimes the, the hustle thinking, the, uh, the productivity thinking, which is very important. I'm not saying we should forget about productivity, but we need to think about balancing so that we can be productive on a longer term basis. So, so yes. So I think it's important for people to be aware and have those things incorporated in their day so that they can take better care of themselves. One technique that I teach people is to put alarms. So like every three hours, yeah, I, I have alarms on my phone that reminds me to take a mindfulness, self-compassionate moment, mm -hmm. a minute, a breath, letting go of the body, drinking water, recognizing if you need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. <laughs> And, uh, you know, create those as the stress is going up, bring it down as it's going up, bring it down so that it's not completely high by the end of the day. Right. I agree. Like the, tapping into the five senses, like what can I do to reset using my five senses? The other thing that I use a lot is sort of having people think more long-term, like you were saying, a longer term orientation, like someone who's not drinking water, maybe they don't think about kidney failure in their sixties or seventies or eighties. But when you start asking questions of yourself and others about, you know, I was speaking to a client yesterday and I said, so when you're 90 and you look back at your life, will you have wanted to work more hours or take more business trips? Like, what are some things that you can start doing now that will help you when you're at the end of your life to really, to ask yourself, like, was it a fulfilling life? And I, and it goes beyond burnout, but the idea is that we do the same thing for our, our mental health and our well-being is having more of a longer term orientation. When we are running around context switching, we're also setting ourselves up to have more mental health issues as we age. 
All right, so that that will be a wonderful tool for people to use. Can you share some of the other tools from your book and tell me why did you end up writing this book? So one of the reasons I think I struggled so much with my career when I was working with in organizations was that I was constantly getting fired and I was constantly getting downsized and I had no idea why because I said I'm smart, I know what I'm talking about. It was really that I I couldn't self-advocate. And that actually led to burnout in the sense that I didn't raise my hand when my ideas were taken. I didn't jump back into conversations when I was silenced. And so that ultimately led to at like an extreme level of burnout for me, burnout through being in organizations in corporate America. And then as I started coaching and starting my own practice in 2013, I realized it wasn't just me that struggled with self-advocacy. There's a lot of women, there's a lot of underrepresented voices that struggle to get back into conversations in corporate America. And so that was really the reason that I wrote Be Your Own Cheerleader was not just to share my personal anecdotes, but to share research and also just that you're not alone. We There are people who just don't feel comfortable speaking up. And so that's the, the basis of my book. Wonderful. Tell us some more tips that you have shared in, in the book so our audience can also benefit. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things I talk about in the book that actually comes from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is thinking about time as sort of malleable. So for example, if one of the techniques is called the as if frame. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, sometimes we project too far out. We say, okay, in six months, I need to get this done, or this is my annual performance review. And these are all the things that I need to get done in a whole year versus saying, let me take it in chunks at a time. So it is December 1st, 2023. Like let's, what if, let's pretend it's as if it's January 1st, 2024. What are the things that I need to accomplish in the month of December? So just by, be having a different relationship with time and chunking time in different sections can actually help our brains process and attain goals in more digestible ways. Yeah, sometimes you get overwhelmed because we want to achieve everything right now in this moment. And if you kind of look at the list of all the things that we have to get done, nobody can do so. Sometimes our, our lists are so big that you can't do them in one year. Exactly. But then you have it all right as if you had to do it today. So no matter how much you do, you still feel like you haven't you haven't done enough. Right. And the as if frame is you're just projecting time. And instead of projecting six months ahead or 12 months ahead, you can choose the increment that feels comfortable for you. So for me, it's always 30 days. It's like, okay, Neelu, you know, it's as if it's January 1st, 2024. What are the things that absolutely need to get done in the month of December to set myself up for success for 2024, for, for January of 2024? So I think when I get overwhelmed, I just chunk down. I chunk down in time because I am, like you mentioned, an overachiever. So there's lots of goals I have for the whole year already. I've already sort of thought through 2024. And when I think about it holistically, it can get very overwhelming. Right. Can you give a little you know, more deeper example so people can understand better? Yeah. So if you are a planner, right, you are a list maker, as many of us are, instead of making a list that spans over six months, look at your list and actually put on the date of the list, January 1st, 2024, and work backwards. So you are at December 1st, your list will also be that list of a month versus six months or a year. So that's one tangible way of like chunking down in time and having sort of a different relationship with time. Well, so teach me because I'm kind of having a little hard time understanding. So after the program, I'm going to pick up my to-do list. Yes. How do I chunk? How do, like, I have to do so many things in terms of either 
you know, my, my business or my patient care or my coaching program or my finished writing my book. And I want to do so much speaking and stuff like that. So there are Perfect. many different goals. Help me. How do I chunk it? Right. So there's different dissections of it, right? So you have date. So your date is, let's say there's all of those things, but you just do it one month. So your list or your goal setting is for one month and then you chunk by section. So what are things that you have to get done personally for your family domestically? What are some things that you have to get done for your business? What are some things you have to get done to get further along in, in booking speaking gigs? Is it that you hire someone else? Is it that you work with an agent, right? Like what are those things? So you're chunking by category, but I add a layer of time because what happens is that list can turn out to be 30 items. And when you look at it, you're overwhelmed. So then what you do is say, I'm going to chunk by category one month at a time. So even in your goal setting for your book writing, it's like, I'm going to finish chapter one and two in that month, right? You're not finishing the whole book. You're finishing chapter one and two. So you have your categories, those sections in your life that you have to complete, but you're adding this time component and you're basically having a different relationship with time. You're assuming you're one month out or three months out, whatever's more digestible with you. So the as if frame is like, we are December 1st, but we're we're assuming we're as if we're already at January 1st. And you have achieved so many things or or you would like you said that you have to have to do this before January 1st. And so anything that can be done in January or February, you remove it from your to-do list right. for this month. Right. So the first step would be if we get step by step, I think the first step would be to ask yourself, okay, it's January 1st, 2024. What happened in this month? So you're projecting time. You've already moved forward in time. You're taking a time capsule. You've traveled in time. And then you say, what, what did I accomplish? And you're writing it down. And then you're going through and making chunks for those things by category. Does that make sense? I'm still a little confused. So let's say you started the, using the example of my book. And mm -hmm. so I want to I want to finish writing the book. And I can say as if January 1st, I have completed chapter one and two or just planning or outlining or something like that. Right. That's what I would, I would have done. So then you come back to December 1st and say, okay, because I want to be done with this much chapter, this much time I need to designate to it or when I'm right. going to do it and, and then put it on those time blocks so that right. it gets done. Some people have days, like they say, I'm going to write for four hours. Some of us don't can't sit still for four hours. So it's like, maybe it's one hour every night, or maybe it's three hours on a Friday when things are less hectic. So that's really on you and knowing your own style of writing. But the idea is that you have worked backward. You know, you need to finish two things of that book. And you're going to create basically a roadmap for yourself to complete in the month of December. Yeah, that makes sense. That's That's a wonderful tool. Thank you for sharing that. So as I'm kind of thinking as a leader who is handling like 10 different projects and yes, you depend on other people to do other things and you need to kind of keep a tab on all the projects going on. Your mind is thinking about 10 different things. How do, and, and that kind of also puts you at the risk of burnout. So how do you work through that? Well, there's, there's different tactics I would use. I think the first is to chunk by the context. So for example, if you're a leader and you have, let's say you have five direct reports, you may want to set aside a Friday 
from 12 to four, where you're going to meet with some of those direct reports, right? So you're chunking by the type of task so that your brain is not constantly context switching. So if you have different things that you're different work streams you're working on, figuring out ways in which your, your mind doesn't constantly context switch, because that's putting, that's putting strain on your mind. So chunk, not only just by time, but also chunk by type of work. Exactly. So an easy way to think about this is when you look at your to-do to do list and you see that you have to pay bills online, that you have to drop off dry cleaning, that you have to then take care of X, Y, Z, figuring out, well, what if I was to do all of that in one go? Because that's administrative and our brain sort of thinking, let me get through all of this administrative stuff. So it's like chunking by category helps the brain, less strain on the brain for context switching. Mm -hmm. And when do you do all this planning? I like to do this planning on Sundays in the evening, but that doesn't always happen, right? Because life happens. So then if it's not Sunday evening, it's Monday morning. I sort of sit, I look at my calendar and see what I have going on. And then one of the other things that I think leaders often find themselves doing is they're involved in lots of things that they don't need to be involved in. So lots of meetings and so many, so much so that there's so much, so many meetings that they're not actually doing any work or processing information. So looking at the calendar and saying, what can I take off of my calendar is a big way to help with energy management throughout the week. So taking yourself out of meetings, making sure that the people who are in those meetings know how to get a hold of you if they need, if they need to reach out to you, but get, giving yourself more time to process information. Yeah. And that's what I have been finding. So my process is, you know, I write and every morning I plan out my day. Like, you know, I take some morning time to do my gratitude journal that uh, people know that I, I have been doing my gratitude journal for now, almost 20 years almost 20 years. So my day starts with a, a gratitude journal. And then one of the gratitude thing that I, I teach my clients is a 3GT and LFT. So 3GT is three good things that happened since yesterday. And then LFT is looking forward to. Mm -hmm. So as I am processing, okay, what good things happened yesterday, what things, and I also add the OFI, which is like, opportunities for improvement, things that I would like, like to improve. So, and then when I'm writing LFT, which is looking forward to, it kind of comes out what are the most important things I'm looking forward to. It kind of uplifts me too, because I start looking forward to, but it kind of helps me process the day, how I want it to go. And that allows me to, you know, I do the planning, the week planning, but then that day, I want to kind of bring some of the things on focus. So this would be the focus of the day. So I bring some of those items that I have for the week on my my day. And I also chunk my time based on type of work. So, you know, this day and this day is designated my patient work day. And this day is my podcast day. And this day is my teaching day. This day is my you know, business development. And so I also chunk that way. Sometimes it is hard because, you know, the demands come, but having that chunking really helps me too. So I just want to kind of share with our audience that what Nilu is advocating, I have seen the benefit of that. I have not tried this time forwarding technique. So mm -hmm. I will go ahead and try that. And, and Yes, let me know how it goes. Yes, yes, I would love to. And so you're having so much fun. I didn't realize the time is... Yes. <laughs> and so can you share your most important takeaway point at this time? 
It's so simple. I think we have a tendency of overcomplicating things. So I say, I leave everyone with one question is asking yourself, what do I need in this moment? When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling like you don't know what to do next, ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? Wonderful. Wonderful. So I got a lot of tips today. And as I said, my favorite tip was this time forward thinking. What did you call it? What is that? As if. As if technique. So I'm going to definitely try that. And let me ask our audience, what what is your favorite tip from today? Please share in comments below or send a message to us. We we would love to uh, hear what, what you're liking. And if you have any questions, please share them with us so we can take those questions to our guests. And maybe invite Neelu again next time. I would love that. Thank you so much. So Neelu, can, can you please share how can people reach you and learn more about you and your book and all the wonderful work you're doing? How can they reach you? Yes. So you can go to my website, neelukaur.com. Neelu, my first name, N-E-E-L-U-K-A-U-R.com. I am most active on LinkedIn under my name, Neelu Kaur, and also my book, Be Your Own Cheerleader. You can find anywhere you can read books, local bookstores, ask them to order it. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all of the places that you can get books. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you found the value, we have additional gift for you that may make it even more helpful. Nidu is graciously sharing her article, Do I Have Burnout? 15 Signs of Burnout. If you'd like, just go to happyandhealthymind.com and press that button to download the resources shared by our wonderful guests over here. It is our gift for you as an appreciation for being a loyal follower. If you love this program, show it by liking and subscribing. See, if you benefited from the program, guess what? Others will too. It, we all want to make a difference in other people's lives. So all you have to do is share and others get benefit and you can bask in the benefit too. So let me leave you today with one question. Every day is a new opportunity to make a change. If you feel like you have been neglecting yourself and putting yourself at risk of burnout, it's never too late. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Choose one thing and share what is that one thing you are going to change so that you can enjoy your life fully, perform at your best, and prevent stress and burnout. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. Until next time, Dr. Rosina.